Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. Our guest this week on Carolina Newsmakers is Wayne Goodwin. He, uh, of course, has served the state as insurance commissioner. He also served four terms in the North Carolina House of Representatives and uh, now is uh, serving as the commissioner of the Department of Motor Vehicles. And uh, we've talked about all sorts of things, but one of the things we have not talked about uh, uh, is uh, the uh, process that is referred to as the real ID. And this, uh, there's some federal legislation requirements, there's some state legislative requirements, but there's also been a lot of controversy about it. So um, sort of give us some background on that whole process. Sure. And when we talk about a real ID, every every credential that the DMV issues, a driver's license or a, uh, an ID, state ID, it is a lowercase real ID. But here we're talking about a federal, uh, federal uh, requirement and it's capital letters, R-E-A-L, real ID. And it has its genesis to the response to 9-11. So we're going back to, you know, 2001 when Congress and Homeland Security back then realized that due to what led to the uh, the terrorists getting on those airplanes and the like was not having IDs, driver's licenses and the like, that uh, could better authenticate who folks are. So it has its genesis to that, but it, it has taken years to be adopted. And there has been some controversy uh, because states are, uh, you know, from day one, have, you know, provide IDs uh, for and pertain to public safety for their citizens. And there's always been a concern about federalizing of the, the driver license or ID process. So this is a, it was a, a compromise where federal government encourage states to adopt the real ID and there's some requirements for that in the in state law that are guided by federal law and the reason or what I guess the what how the real ID works is that you bring to your to the DMV uh, extra documentation that further verifies and authenticates who you are and when you get the real ID there's a in North Carolina there's a gold star in the upper right hand corner not everybody needs this, though, and that's another part of the controversy. Initially, everybody thought, oh, my goodness, I gotta, everybody's got to get a new driver license or a new, a new state ID. Um, but, uh, but that's not the case. A couple of things. One is that the implementation date has been moved multiple times, in part because uh, states haven't been able to reach uh, you know, the significant percentage or greater percentage of participation that they had hoped. North Carolina is about presently about 43% compliant with it. And that's not bad. And here's why, because the real ID is, is for folks who plan to travel by plane domestically or who work in federal facilities by and large. And if you already have a passport, uh, uh, you know, then, and, and, or if you, or if you don't fly, uh, on a plane, you don't need the, the real ID. So we figure about 50% of North Carolinians need it. So we're on, on target. The implementation date is May of 2025. And we'll see if we, we, we will meet that target, but not everybody needs it. Well, that's interesting because uh, I, I thought uh, I was laboring under the impression that everyone had to have one. And so, uh, and of course, the date has been moved back. And part of that was due to COVID. Yeah, that's correct. That COVID was uh, certainly a, a prime uh, cause of it being delayed once or twice. 
a few years ago, I believe there was a public service announcement that that uh, the former basketball coaches for UNC and Duke did, and it, it gave I think it gave the impression to the public that everybody needed it, and that led to a almost like a run on the bank, so to speak. People were showing up in droves to the DMV, and, and we and we've said, look, no, no, you don't. If you don't, if you're not planning to fly in a plane domestically, or if or if you already have a passport, you don't don't need this. So uh, uh, it's and, and of course uh, it's been delayed twice, even during my eighteen months as DMV commissioner. And, and I I hope it doesn't get delayed again, but we'll see. If it gets delayed, then no harm, no foul. A lot of folks question if it's been delayed so often, is it really going to happen? Well, we do we do have real ID. Uh, I just ultimately the implementation date will be reached, but right now it's May of twenty twenty five. And even if you don't have it. There are there the TSA has uh, special processes where if you're needing to fly, they can verify who you are. But that's a worst worst case scenario. Well, that's interesting. That's a good update, and, and the fact that uh, not everybody necessarily needs it, and also the fact that so many people already have one that there won't be a a as you said a rush on the bike or a run on the bike to get them if. Uh, and your goal is uh, sort of like 50% of the population needs it. So that would mean uh, you've got, I think you told me earlier, 7.4 credentials issued. I guess those are individual licenses. So about yeah, 7.4 uh, yeah. billion, that's right. Yeah. About half of those are, of course, already uh, have the real ID. And, and, and the other interesting thing you mentioned is the fact that it's capital R-E-A-L ID. I did not know that either. Uh, so that's that's an interesting background, and I appreciate you taking time to talk about that. Yes, sir. Now, there's, there's there's a difference in driver's license for commercial truckers and other special services. Tell me about those, and what are the requirements that uh, that they uh, that those drivers uh, have to have that uh, say an ordinary driver does not have to have. Right. Well. Well. You know, obviously, most folks operate your standard standard passenger vehicle. Whether you know whether it's you know whether it's a uh, two-person, four-person, van, whatever, you know, whatever passenger vehicle. But we are uh, thankful and appreciative that there are folks who are truck drivers, who are commercial drivers, because they are responsible for getting goods uh, in bulk items across the state and across the country. And those are much heavier uh, and, and much more difficult vehicles to operate. So when you're talking about, you know, these commercial trucks, uh, you know, whether it's small, medium, or extra large, I mean, they have to take a special test for a CDL, and um, that you know you can train for that, uh, study for that, and then when you pass that test, there are certain requirements to keep it in keep it in place. And this also involves federal law, uh, something called the Federal Motor Carrier Act, that uh, that provides some guardrails on it. So to learn more about what the you know what the requirements are, and if you need to have a CDL commercial driver license, go to myncdmv.gov. If you're going to going to work for a, a business that has commercial trucking, um, you know, by and large, you, you, should, you should be able to get uh, a, a summary of what is expected expected of you. And, uh, and it's very important that these folks keep their licenses from expiring uh, because we want to make sure these folks are operating vehicles safely. You have a theft and license bureau, uh, automobile theft and identity theft, 
of course, you're working, I guess, with law enforcement agencies on that. Where does your responsibility start and end and that of the law enforcement agency that's involved with it begin and end? Well, uh, as mentioned earlier, our License and Theft Bureau, which is a part of the DMV, is the oldest statewide law enforcement agency. Uh, it's been around uh, since 1922, I believe. And the you know most most of the of the of the uh, what our law uh, law enforcement officers at DMV focus on are uh, identity fraud, uh, identity theft vehicle fraud, uh, title theft, title fraud, and the like. Under under the general statutes here in North Carolina, there there's there are some, you know, they are sworn officers and they can be called on by other officers to assist in other types of, you know, public service and law enforcement needs, just just as other officers may be too. And it's driven by the driven by uh, the general statutes in chapter 20. But our focus predominantly is enforcement of you know of uh, the 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 DMV laws. I'll give you an example. You know we uh, these inspection inspection uh, services that you know where they get your car inspected. Uh, sometimes there are folks who are operating those fraudulently or op or, or not actually doing the inspections. Uh, we we do we have uh, uh, undercover operations to make sure these these uh, these particular companies are actually doing the vehicle inspections and the emission inspections when they're required. Another option, like we, if somebody has a, a fake, fake IDs or a, or a fake license plate or what have you, we we have our law enforcement officers go after those folks and um, and either obtain the ID and help uh, arrest and prosecute with local prosecutors those who have broken uh, the laws pertaining to uh, the DMV. You know, it used to be a big thing when we talk about the odometer, people would talk about cracking open the odometer. I suspect that's changed now that we're in the computer age. So how how would a person uh, affect their odometer reading now that we're in the computer age? Well, I'll tell you, uh, for every advance we make, there's some hacker, some scoff law, some criminal who somehow finds a way to get around whatever advance we've made. And uh, we just, we just, you know, it was announced this week there, uh, there was some odometer fraud going on uh, that we came across and are, and, and are uh, investigating. And it, it's, again, it's a function that folks are unfortunately crafty and creative and conniving to get around whatever is put in place to prevent it. So unfortunately, there are, there are ways that people do still commit, you know, commit that type of fraud, even though things are digital now. You mentioned the safety inspections, and that's that's an annual requirement, and you have to do it, I guess, each year. Uh, is has there ever been a movement to say, okay, when a car is brand new, you really don't have to have one for the first two years, or something of this nature? Uh, yes, there there have been uh, regular proposals to to restrict or limit the you know the amount of annual inspections that one has, and including the, you know that the, the the proposal you mentioned about if you have a brand new vehicle. It, uh, it meets all those all the specifications and the, and the like. So you've had it on both ends. We have there have been proposals and changes in the law. Uh, some have been implemented, some have not. They said if you have a brand new car, why do you need the annual inspections? And then on the other on the other end of the spectrum, they said, well, if you have an antique vehicle, you know, do you you know, and it's only <laughs> used for certain purposes, do you need to have have the inspections done? 
And where we are, we want to have safe vehicles on the road. If a vehicle is being used on the on the road, we want to ensure that it's is a, is a safe one. And uh, you would not believe the number of folks who don't check their tires or don't think about their brakes until they you know are required to have the annual inspection. And it's it's amazing the number of folks who that's the only time they think about it. So so it seems like there's been a there's there been compromises made and still you know still lots of discussion every year about are these needed but the, by the end of the day we want folks to be safe and at the same time we don't want to overburden folks and you can get these done much more quickly now uh you know these days you, you know you can have your you can have your um uh your inspection done and reported to the state fairly quickly they, of course there's another reason also for inspections and that's emissions and we're all worried about the uh, the uh, global Climate warming, a lot of people don't think it is. I'm not going to get into that. But uh, emissions, of course, also a very big part of that check. Uh, that's right. That's right. And, and uh, there has been a move to reduce the number of counties that are required to have the emissions check. And it's mostly the counties who, uh, under federal law, uh, you know, they pass triggers for having uh, bad air readings. Uh, but there's been a proposal in the legislature now to reduce it to where only Mecklenburg County would have the required emissions. But, but that's a that's a, a current subject of debate, uh, and it's uh, it's one that the legislature will ultimately decide upon. Well, we have listeners in Mecklenburg County, so I have to be careful. But Mecklenburg, having grown up in that area, uh, those in the Mecklenburg area have always thought they're a little unique. <laughs> well, I've heard some folks call it the great state of Mecklenburg, but I've, I've got friends there and, and I love them as much as I love the rest of them. So, uh, But uh, we encourage folks to, to watch what happens with the legislature this year and see if there are any changes. And of course, myncdmv.gov, and I'm sure right here at, at our favorite station, they can learn about changes that impact our drivers. I want to go a little slower on that. That's mydmv.gov. My right? myncdmv.gov. Okay, I didn't have the NC in there. You, you've learned to say it so rapidly that uh, it's a little hard to write it down. I will <laughs> chastise you on that. We'll be yes, back yes, with our final <laughs> segment of Carolina Newsmakers and our guest, Wayne Godwin, uh, Wayne Goodwin, right after these messages. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Tom and Levi. Tom is the smartest man I know. He's been a professor at two major universities, been a teacher for over 40 years. One day, he told me that he was having um, problems in his classes. I think one of the students had asked the question and he didn't remember the answer. And I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. And he was telling them that he was doing it as a favor to them. But I think in reality, he just wanted to get out of there. Um, I was really starting to worry because I saw something was wrong. Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives, but he was there beside me, and my love for him was just immense. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Adopt US Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting a Teenager. Learning the lingo. GOAT, G-O-A-T, acronym, stands for greatest of all time. As in spaghetti sandwiches for dinner? They're my fave. Dad, you're the GOAT. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. 
Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week is the Commissioner of the Department of Motor Vehicles, and I think this is the first time in the history of this program that we have had the Commissioner on, uh, not this particular Commissioner, because we've had him on quite frequently in his other roles as Insurance Commissioner and and uh, other roles that he served the public interest in. Uh, he is, of course, uh, Wayne Goodwin, and uh, served in the General Assembly for, for four terms before uh, becoming insurance commissioner and, and some other areas that he has served in. Uh, uh, when we've talked about all sorts of things, Mr. Commissioner, uh, why don't we look at uh, common misconceptions that, because uh, you deal with a lot of people. I think you said you had 7.4 million people with credentials. That would be, I guess, driver's license. Uh, what are some of the common misconceptions that people have that might uh, be uh, benefited from some wisdom from you? Well, there are a number of common misconceptions. Uh, and, of course, every every day is a, there's always a challenge with the DMV because, we, again, 7.4 million folks. We have 115 driver license offices and 130 license plate agencies. But probably the, the most common misconception is they, that folks think that there's always going to be a line and, and, that, and that, you know, you may have seen lines and so on, but we have what's called a walk-in wait time tool. And we also keep this metric anyway. And there are, there are regularly occasions where there's no lines. We had like this past Saturday in eight of our 16 Saturday locations, there were no lines, no traffic at all at 10 AM on a Saturday. And even though that's, you know, you think a weekend would be a good time for folks to get their, get their, driver's license services. So that, that's the first misconception is that there's always a line. There's not. Um, okay. I'm going to stop you there. I would have had a uh, uh, misunderstanding that Saturdays are you're closed. Well, this is one of the changes that uh, our DMV team and I've made is that due to the, the level of demand that during peak season, which is between Memorial day and labor day, we now offer Saturday morning services, walk-in express services at our 16 busiest sites and they're they're located in Raleigh and, and Charlotte and Greensboro and Winston Salem and Winston Salem. I mean in the Wilmington and, and Asheville and uh, and that'll go through August 26th. And I am working now on trying to resume Saturday office hours, uh, not just in the summer. So be stay tuned for that. But right now we're doing Saturday office hours, and by and large is going well. Except this past week it was a strange. There are no lines. So I guess if you wanted to find out if your particular office is open on Saturday, you can go to your website, which is myncdmv.gov. That's right. Myncdmv.gov. There's 16 offices for Saturday service, and it's quite popular. I'd like to, again, have have that year round. And also, we uh, a lot of folks don't know, another misconception, they think, well, they think we all open at the same time. Well, I've been able to... Uh, increase the number of offices that open at 7 a.m. We now have approximately 40 of those, and again, more of the metro areas that open at 7 a.m. Do you have to have your driver's license renewed in the area that you live in, or can you do that at any office anywhere? That's another misconception. I'm glad you asked that. You can go anywhere in the state uh, to, if you if you need to physically go, you can go anywhere in the state for your driver services at a, or vehicle services. 
And uh, we've had a lot. I mean, every week somebody will call me about that. So, and, and they're like vacationing on the coast and they realize they need to renew their license. And of course, if you do the service online, you can be anywhere in the world. But 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 uh, but with, you know, with this, you can go any county in the state, uh, you know, to have the services that you need. As you point out, you don't have to have an appointment. Uh, you, do, you do not. And that's another common misconception because some states require appointments regardless. And and I know it, it, it's a term of art. Uh, an appointment is a designated time in the future that you're reserving at, at a particular driver's license office at a particular time. And th that's what we consider an appointment. If you want the typical uh driver license or, driver or DMV service in a more immediate way, like same day or, or, you know, very soon, you need to be a walk-in customer. And there are a lot of folks when they, when they go online to myncdmv.gov, they'll say, they'll say, Commissioner Goodwin, I, I don't see any appointments in this area or even with this part of the state for 60 days. And so that's because one, we only do appointments in the mornings. Two, most 25% of folks are no-shows for appointments. Three, most of the public, they won't walk in service. And four, the math doesn't add up. You can't have everybody doing appointments every year. Uh, schedule, there's just not enough 15-minute time blocks. So that's what, and of course, every appointment varies in time. So, so you do not need to have an appointment. If you plan ahead, I would encourage you to schedule one. But by and large, plan to be a walk-in customer because, uh, uh, that's that's where you can get the quicker service more immediately. You, uh, we, we touched on this just briefly, but I think because we have so many newcomers coming into North Carolina, especially in the uh, Crescent uh, area of Raleigh-Durham, Wake County, Greensboro, uh, Charlotte, that uh, area there, so many people move in from out of state. You mentioned that you have to change your, get your new driver's license in 60 days within uh, becoming a resident of North Carolina. Uh, what about your uh, license plate on your car? Yeah, once it, once you are have moved here, you, you need to have your vehicle re, you know, re-registered here. Um, because, you know, that's, you know, if you're living here and you are using our highways, then uh, you need to be registered here, not only for, for security and safety reasons, but also uh, you're being responsible for your share of the highway use tax. Uh, so uh, we remind folks to please, if you have moved here, register your car here in North Carolina. And do, they, yeah. do they do that with your office? They, they do it with the, yes. Uh, and, that, and that's another misconception too. Our driver license offices, our driver services offices, like for IDs and licenses, those are operated by state employees at state offices. There are 130 license plate agencies that, by state law, they are providing a DMV service. But when you're dealing with tight car titles and registrations, plates and stickers, that is through a private contractor. And the private contractor has private employees. There are no appointments for those places. And there's, uh, by law, there are a few of those operated by the state, but 95% of them are private contractors that we oversee. And uh, and they provide a tremendous service uh, as well. So when you count driver license offices and license plate agencies, we have two, about 245, about 245 offices providing these DMV services statewide. 
but uh, one can't do the services of the other. So most people are going to end up dealing with both. And that's another uh, also misconception per se, but it happens where sometimes folks show up at the wrong place. Uh, there are a few states where they do it all together, but but many states they they consider these as separate services because they are different. They're they're totally different. Uh, when you're talking about vehicles and 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 the like, different issues are, could arise as compared to uh, identifying who you are as an individual. And so, so they provide different services, but they are part of the DMV. And I think one other thing that you mentioned that's well worth repeating is the fact that, that one of the documents that people fail to bring when they get their driver's license is proof of insurance. Yes, and 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 I'm, and I'm glad we're re uh, returning to this is that it can't be you showing your smartphone, showing an email you got from your insurance agent. By state law in North Carolina, it needs to be a physical document that you know shows from your insurance company that you are who you are and you have uh, at least the minimum coverage for the vehicles that uh, that you that you have. Essentially, what the state says is that state law says is that you must you must show financial responsibility so that if you're driving a vehicle and you cause an accident or you're in an accident that you have some sort of means of of being financially responsible. So, so whenever you uh, go to the DMV the first time, and then as you, as you go and, and renew, make sure you have your proof of, of insurance coverage. So you can meet that criteria for proof of financial responsibility. In one of the earlier segments, we also talked about the real ID and you pointed out, of course, that the federal law, the, the word real is all caps, which is interesting. But uh, the, that date for obtaining one of those has now been uh, moved to May of, of 2025, which is some time off. But you also pointed out that 43% of the citizens of North Carolina already have one. That's right. Uh, once North Carolina adopted the criteria in its our state laws to have the real ID, we've steadily seen an increase in the number of citizens who have it. Uh, as you said, we have about 43% thereabouts of our 7.4 million uh, credentials that have been issued are real IDs. And oh, and one, one point I didn't cover earlier: North Carolina is a state where it is uh, it is voluntary, but there's some states where the, it is mandatory to have uh, the real ID. So, uh, so if you see a state that says they have 95% compliance, that's probably because their law says they're mandated to do it. But North Carolina says it's voluntary, and that's what I expect it to remain. I don't see North Carolina, uh, no matter what, changing to uh, mandating it. And you pointed out there's, there's a number of people that just really don't need one because it involves basically air transportation and, uh, and uh, travel abroad. That's right. That's right. A real ID is for someone who is flying, flying, uh, flying uh, domestically uh, and uh, – and if you, or if you're working in a nuclear facility or, or a federal government uh, facility, uh, if you're, you wish to fly abroad, you should already have a passport. Uh, and you can use the passport instead of your real ID uh, if you're flying domestically, too. So we determined about half of North Carolina needs the real ID. The other half don't. Uh, and that's a decision you can make voluntarily. We've got less than a minute, about 45 seconds for you to answer this question. Is there any legislation before the General Assembly that uh, will change any of the laws that uh, involve people as far as their cars or their driver's license? Uh, 
uh, at our request, the legislature is contemplating moving into what's called a mobile driver license. And we can talk more about this another time, but uh, is to have a supplement to your actual plastic uh, credential to where if you need to show an ID, instead of pulling out your ID, you can pull out your smartphone. And it's not a photo of your ID, but it, it verifies you are of a certain age or that you are a citizen and the like. So be on, be on the watch for that. Stay tuned. We are moving towards having a mobile ID uh, in North Carolina, like some other states have already implemented. Well, that sounds like a great idea, a mobile ID. Okay. So uh, uh, I've learned a lot of things in our conversations with Wayne Goodwin, and uh, we look forward to having you back on again and bring us an update on what's happening in the Department of Motor Vehicles here in the state of North Carolina. If you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast, or if you missed two of the segments, and a lot of our stations carry only a half-hour version of the program, you can go to carolinanewsmakers.com and hear the entire broadcast, or if you'd like to share it with a friend, you can do that as well. Our program has been produced by Jason Kong, who's on semi-vacation this week, but he came in to do the program, and he will have another guest for us next week on the same group of stations. So till next week, have a good week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.